Okay, well, I'm delighted to be joined by former Peace United striker Neil Fenn. Um, Neil, I mean, we're just talking off, off sort of air, as they say, if that's a word these days, um, about how you came to join the football club. What can you remember? Because you've been out on loan to a few clubs and you'd had a long-term contract at Tottenham. How did it all transpire that you ended up at London Road? Yeah, I feel good to be here. Good to connect with people. Um, it's... You know, it's, it's good to hear a different voice. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so I was, I was at Tottenham and in, in around 1997, 98, I'd signed a five-year contract. Um, things were going well. I'd, I'd been on loan. I was getting in the first team. And then with the changeover of different managers and a lot of comings and goings around that time, I ended up not actually playing another game, uh, playing a game for anybody for about two years. I wasn't even playing in reserves for Spurs at the time. I was completely frozen out. Um, and should have been should have kicked up more of a fuss about leaving. Really, you know, I needed to play games. Uh, but I'm a I'm a Tottenham boy, and I was a big Spurs fan, and and really didn't want to leave. So um, sat it out anyway. And I think at the end of the season before, I'd, I'd, I'd played a, a couple of I'd gone on trial to to Peterborough and played a couple of I think anyway. I know it's a long time ago now, <laughs> and played a few reserve games. I managed to, to earn myself a contract for the for the 2001-2002 season, um, and and signed. Then Barry, you know, put, put an offer to me to take it or leave it, and I signed, and and that was it really. So I signed on the same day or around the same time as Mark Joseph, Jimmy Bullard, Tommy Williams, Dennis Pierce. I remember there was a photo of the five of us standing there. So um, yeah, really good, really good time, a, a good chance, a good break for me, and a chance to finally get out and play some some first team football. It was bizarre because I've spoke to so many different players from so many different eras, whether Barry was manager, whether he was owner, whether he was director of football. And they all say the same thing. You had negotiations. He puts them on the table. It was either you take it or leave it or you go elsewhere. And then either the next day something materialises. Can you remember contract negotiations? Because I guess that um, if you've been at Tottenham all your life, that was a big step for you. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much a contract negotiation. It was like you say, it was this is it. He just said, I haven't got any more. I haven't got any more to offer you. And, and to be fair, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, that wasn't the priority at the time for me. It was about. It was just about get playing, about getting a game somewhere, um, and playing first team football. Like I said, I hadn't played in a couple of years, and it was I was I was twenty twenty four when I signed for for Peterborough, which. You know, it's quite old to, to suddenly start getting out in the real world of playing um, football. So that's where I was at. And um, yeah, it wasn't much of a negotiation. It was, listen, this is this is your wages. This is it. It's a one-year contract and, and, and fire away. So I signed it and I'm, you know, delighted that someone gave me the opportunity. Yeah, before we talk about your time at Peterborough, I think you just said there, 24 was a, a, quite a late age to get into the real world as you described it. I guess when you're a Tottenham boy and you support Tottenham and you come from that neck of the woods, it is very hard to sort of press a button to, to move on to the next stage, isn't it? Because you, you kind of live in the dream that you wanted all through your teenage years. Yeah, I, mean, I was there from 11. So for, ever since I was a, I started playing football, really, I didn't really start playing organised football till that age. So as soon as I started playing organised football, signed for Spurs, schoolboy level, um, and then just got, you know, worked my way through, ended up signing a YTS there and then got in, the, got a couple of professional contracts one year after another and then, and then got in the first team, which, you know, was, was like you say, a dream come true. So then, then the, the long contract came along and you think you're sorted, then you think you've got it, you've got it made. And maybe that was, that was my attitude at the time was possibly wrong. That I thought I had it made when, you know, that's when the hard work should have started. So, um, anyway, yeah, so 
was 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 there for was there for too long basically. I had it had it too easy. It was, it was close to where I was living, and you know all my family are Spurs fans, friends are Spurs fans. So it just like you say, it was living the dream. They had you know one of the best clubs in the country. Just moved into a new training ground, so probably not probably definitely got too comfortable there. Um, in terms of the players that you joined at, at Peterborough, you mentioned you signed at some similar sort of time to people like Jimmy Bullard and, and Tom Williams, who are obviously coming out of West Ham as well. Um, at that time, did it help you settle that there was quite a few players that probably had had the same sort of journey, albeit probably not played as much first-team football as you had at Spurs at the time? Yeah, exactly. We all, we all joined at the same. I think, you know, Tommy and Jimmy would have been the same, would have had a little sniff of first-team football and... and um, and it was their chance then to play, to go out and play league football. So we're all in the same boat. We all got on really well. And and plus, you know, we got on well with the with the older lot, the the old guard that were already there as well. Welcome to Sin. So it was a, it was a good team spirit. It was a good good great dressing room to be in, and um, a really good time really for the first first few months, first yeah. six months. You mentioned um, Jimmy Bullard. Um, everyone I speak to, I mean, obviously I was there at the time. I know exactly what he's like. He was crazy. But within the confines of the dressing room, is he someone that sort of helps you particularly as a new club or is he someone that you just think oh my god what is jimmy doing now <laughs> um he just wait well, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people like him in football you know characters you know he is he is obviously a, a big character but there's a lot of those in football and you know every dressing room has them and 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 some people like it and some people don't but it's just you know it's just the way he was and he was he was just a just a laugh, laugh a minute, really, and he was. But the, the thing about him was, with all the joking aside, he was a, he was a hard worker and a hard trainer, and and was demanding of people around him. And um, you know that that sometimes gets overlooked a little bit with the messing and the joking. But he was, he he would stay behind training every day and do little bits extra. And you know when he was scoring free kicks, they weren't, they weren't um, by accident. You know he was there practicing every day. So with all with all the the joking and the messing, there was a, there was a good professional there as well. Yeah, Did, could you see? Could you see a career in what he's ended up doing and going on? I'm a celebrity and doing this, that, and the other. He, <laughs> I, mean, I watch him sometimes, and I think, how has he done that? How has he? How has he managed to get to that level? It just seems, it just seems bizarre to me. Yeah, no, he, you know, from you, you don't really see. It, I suppose from just being like I said, there's a lot of characters like him in 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 football, and you know, to, to, to go on and to do what he's achieved is is is, is brilliant, is a testament to him and, you know, but like I say, he, he, you know, he works hard at stuff. So, he, he, you know, like with his golfing, he's he's a very good golfer because he does it well and, I don't know, I don't know, I know nothing about fishing, but he looks like a good fisherman as well. So, it's just his character, he's, he's a likeable, he's a likeable character, people like him and, and it rubs off on people and he's infectious and, and that's what makes him what he is. So, yeah, I'm delighted to see what where he is. You played up front with um, Leon McKenzie for the majority of the time at, at the football club and, and Leon had obviously come on loan and then signed permanently as well. Um, was he an ideal st sort of strike partner for you? Someone that wanted to sort of play on the shoulder, allow you to drop a little bit deeper and create? Yeah, exactly. You know, when, we, when I played up front with him, he would do all the, all the dirty work and going around, you know, and intimidating the defenders and smashing the defenders and I was there just to try and pick up the, pick up the pieces and, and, and try and, you know, feed him and with Andy Clark as well, it was similar, I played up front with Clarkie for a lot of the games as well and, and that was similar, you know, he was, he was very good running in behind and very quick. Francis Green at the time as well was the same. So, yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of good strikers at the time and a lot of, you know, different variations of, of partnerships up there. So, one, it was good for me but in two, it was difficult sometimes to get a game. Yeah, Barry loved strikers. As you say, you don't fall there. I think it was probably about seven or eight on the books. He wanted to play with strikers, two strikers, three strikers, four strikers if he could. Was that 
ideal in, in terms of a, a forward player that you were told to attack? Because, I mean, from recollection, I can't imagine Barry would have spent too much time on um, shape and, and, and getting into position. No, he had, I mean, he had Wayne Turner was there at the time and Wayne was, was, was a very good coach, you know, he was, he was excellent tactically and, you know, Barry doesn't, I, I, I'm sure if you asked him, he, that's not what his strength is, he, he doesn't, he's not interested in that side of the game, I, I don't think, he just wants to see good football, he wants to see you go, go out there and win and go out there and attack and I'm sure there was, he would have drove um, Wayne mad a few times with, with, with the way he wanted us to push forward, but like I say, for me, that was brilliant, you know, we, we don't want to be standing there doing shape every day, so... Um, for a forward player, it was it was, it was excellent. Mm. Obviously, that season we had a, a massive cup game against Newcastle. Now, obviously, there's several things I remember about that game, and then the lead up to the game. It was on TV first and foremost, and the pitch was appalling. I mean, I think it would have been called off if it hadn't have been on TV. I think yeah. um, Barry was marching around saying, "It's fine, it's fine." When you um, you know when in the preparations for that game, did did Barry make you believe that you had an opportunity to win that game? Um, I, th- I think that, I think that he was just he was just saying they, they won't fancy it coming down here and, and playing here. You know, I think that was the, that was the message. And when we were, we, I remember once that Wayne Turner didn't want us to didn't want us really to f- focus too much on them going through their players and and saying these are their strengths, this is their strengths. So we didn't really focus on them. We focused on our strengths, and if we, we thought if we could go out there and upset them upset them early and, and play at a high tempo and, and put them under pressure from the start that they, they wouldn't, we were hoping they wouldn't really fancy it. And I think for, I haven't got a great recollection of the game, but I'm sure that we were, we were well in it until, I think there was a, was there a, was there a dodgy penalty given? And well, Yeah, I mean, it went 2-0 Newcastle, then back to 2-2. Um, yeah, and obviously, I missed a uh, chance. Shearer obviously had the, there was Leon handled it, went to 3-2 yeah. and then I think they, they scored very late to make it 4-2. Yeah. But 2-0 um, yeah. down, I, I guess in any cup tie, regardless of whether you're League 2 as it was against Premier League, you'd probably think you're out of it. But to, to get back to 2-2 must have been a great feeling. Yeah, and like you say, they they went two 0 up, and then we, you know, we had nothing to lose really. Piling them forward, I remember Dave Farrell scored a scored a great goal, didn't he? And um, I missed a chance then to make it three two, I think. So, and then the penalty was very very questionable. You know, in the worst ways we were going up to Newcastle for replay, which would have been you know great for the club financially, um, but it wasn't to be. The penalty was was questionable, and and they wanted to beat us, but. Yeah, I think if I would have if I would have scored that that goal at two two, then you know anything could have happened. Yeah, um, obviously it ended up being four two. Alan Shearer obviously played that day. Um, were you someone that got shirts? Were you, were you someone that was um, religious on that? Some players that are, when they play big teams or will come and get up against people, they want to get the shirt straight away. Were you that kind of person? No, I'm not. I don't. I don't know if it was that. Um, if it was that wide, not as widespread as it is now. But I, it, it, no, it didn't really. Um, I didn't really go after anyone's shirt back in those days. I don't know whether it was the thing to do. Maybe people did. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't. I didn't get another shirt really. After, I thought that, you know, after losing four two and and possibly me being at fault for not making it, for not getting us three two up, I, I wasn't feeling in the best of moods at the time. So no, I didn't get didn't get a shirt at all. Did Barry Looking say back anything? now, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Did Barry say anything about that chance? Were you, were you someone that analysed chances in your head afterwards? Yeah, I mean, as a striker, you you don't blame yourself, or you try not to blame yourself. You try to say it was a good it was a good save by the keeper. And I see Shea, you know, afterwards, and he just said that like, was a great save. He just stuck his hand out behind him and it hit his hand. So, um, but in hindsight, yeah, I should have put it in, in the other corner with my left foot and. Um, 
and we probably would have gone on and won it. We had some great results during the during the time you were there. Obviously, we mentioned the four-one against Bristol City and QPR scoring goals against Bournemouth. People scoring from all over the pitch. Mark Joseph scoring free kicks. Um, I mean, I, I guess when you look back on that time, you probably feel with a little bit of disappointment that it didn't go on to achieve what you probably, as a team, could have achieved. Yeah, I think I think by the time I think around Christmas or just before Christmas, we were we were nearly top of the league. We were flying. Um, but then I think that we probably had players like myself, Jimmy, Tom Williams, Mark Joseph. Um, well, I don't know about Mark. Mark had played a few games, but us three, we didn't really, we weren't really used to it. We weren't used to playing week in, week out. I know, I know, Jimmy uh, was 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 you know brilliant, playing well every week. But I know myself, I was very inconsistent, just just not playing, just couldn't get two or three good games in a row I'd, I'd, I'd do one game and then the next game wouldn't be so good and then so I was a little bit inconsistent and I think that for the forward players you know if you have, if we had a consistent pairing up front every week like Leon did for you know towards the end I think then we would have had a good stab here but at the time we were trying to find our two best strikers and, and we were a little bit inconsistent at the time up front is that is that hard when you have quite a lot of strikers? Because everyone thinks the dream is for a manager to have so many options. Well, I guess too many options sometimes can actually um, be a hindrance because you, you can't find, well, you, you don't, you take a while to find that right pairing. Yeah, I mean, you often you often hear of of managers, and um, one of the criticisms of managers is they don't know their best team. They're always chopping and changing. I think up front is probably the place where you can chop and change as a manager, trying to get trying to get a result, and and it might come it might come off sometimes if a player just has a good game. As a player, um, or as a manager as well, it's difficult to keep that many strikers happy. Every every player obviously wants to play, so when you've got a lot of strikers, I think Howard Forrington was there at the time, but he was injured as well. Um, so and, and Jason Lee was another was another striker. So there was a there was a good few of us all wanting to play, and when you did get your chance, you had to you know you had to play well and and um, and score. And you know sometimes when you got a lot of strikers in and out and they're, they're not playing well and they're getting a consistent run of games, sometimes that can happen. You know they, they lose a little bit of a little bit of confidence in front of the goal. Um, in, in terms of your departure, you obviously left by mutual consent, which is a phrase in football that everybody really knows that it just means we want you to leave. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> at, at, at that point in your, your posh career, were you quite relieved, happy? Did you want another challenge? Or, or were you a little bit con not concerned? But obviously, you'd, you'd have had a couple of years whereby you probably felt like you were you know, bedding down a little bit. Yeah, like I say, so the first year I was there, I'd signed a one-year contract and, and was doing well around up until around November, October, November. Then I signed a... Um, another two years and it was at the start of the of the second year that Baz just called me and said that you're not going to play much this year um, do you want to leave and at the time if you know if I wasn't going to play like I said before I needed games I needed to be out playing I didn't want to be sitting around on benches anymore so we come to an agreement and I left um, so yeah I was I was sad I was sad in a way that it didn't work out for me there but you know I, I needed to play I needed matches and I needed to go and play football and, and to have a decision we made in the end at what point in your career did you start thinking about coaching and, and managing? Was it because some people take their badges very early, some get into it very late, some feel it has to be the natural progression. If you're a player, you go into you stay you want to stay in football. How was it for you? Yeah, I think you see some people that they you can tell that that's what they want to do. They take a really interest in the coaching side of it, and from an early age, for me, it wasn't it wasn't like that. I mean, when you're doing shape as a striker, you, most of the time you're standing around up front watching so for me I wasn't really into the coaching side of it I didn't really take much interest in it to be honest and it was only um, quite late on that I 
you know, when you're when you're thinking, what I'm actually, what am I going to do when I finish here? You know, so I just started taking them out of a little bit of, just as a little backup, just in case I did move into that side of it. And and I really enjoyed it. I got, you know, I done my first, I think it was the B license at the time, so I did that. And then you know, obviously the natural progression is once you do that, it's to do the A. Um, and then the pro license. So yeah, it just it was it was quite late. It wasn't something that I'd, I'd planned on doing from a younger age. But as a, as I got older, uh, you know, you, you become a little bit. You probably start looking at managers and you start thinking, I can do a better job than him. And, you know, every every player thinks they can do a better job than a manager. So um, that was that was kind of in my mindset as I got older. I can do a better job here. And I think I know enough about football. I've been around football enough to why can't I be doing that that type of thing? So. That's where we. That's where I went in the end. I decided that yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Is opportunity harder in management than potentially is as a player? Because I guess as a player, you 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 know you, you your skills are there. Everyone can see what you can do. As an up and coming coach, it's I guess it's very hard for clubs to trust you know inexperience. How, how do you how can you get a foot in the door? Yeah, you definitely. It's definitely difficult. You know, to, just to just to decide one day you want to be a manager, and then then what do you do? You know, someone has to employ you. Um, so for me, I, I I did a couple of assistant manager roles. I, I was I was running a soccer academy, so uh, that was how I was what how I was getting it. I was doing coaching anyway. And then I've got um, a couple of assistant manager roles. One over here in Ireland for for a very short spell, which didn't, I didn't really enjoy. To be honest, I, I like, it was okay, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do at the time. That was in 2015, and then um, 2017, a friend of mine, Omer Rizza, um, ex Cambridge player. So yeah, I was going to I was going to him to be fair, but I, I, I let it go. <laughs> um, he. He took over um, Leighton Orient um, for, for a spell at the end of the season um, three years ago and, and asked me to come and help him out for a, for a while. So I did. And I really enjoyed that. I really, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so then when I came back to Ireland at the end of that season, I looked online to see if there's any jobs over here, any manager's jobs over here. And there was a, there was a club called Longford Town that had, that had advertised for a manager. So I applied for that. Um, and did a couple of did a couple of interviews and, and got the job. So really, really uh, a sort of a, a quite a smooth way in. I wasn't you know wasn't too difficult for me to find a job at the time. But obviously, I know it's very difficult. Yeah, it's been it's weird because obviously we've had a, quite a number of players come over from the League of Ireland to to play at, at the football club. Some have worked out, some haven't. Some get homesick, some want to go back. Um, are you surprised? Because the, the standard over there is actually very good. Um, that you know, Preston are probably an example of a club that take quite a lot of Irish players and have actually been successful with them. Why do you think there there aren't so many and some don't work out? Um, I think probably you know you can say the same about about English players that come to Ireland. You know, some do well, some don't. It's just it's just the way it is. Some it's a good league over here. It's a good standard. Um, there is good. There is good players over here. The, the facilities are nowhere near as good as England. That's that's what lets it down a little bit. Um, but the actual standard of the league and the standard of the the, the coaches and the, and the managers and the professionalism is, is is as good as you know League Two, League One in England to say. But it's it's so hard to compare because it's it's you know it's totally different. The the facilities are, are nowhere near as good as what they are in England, and it's a smaller country. It's a smaller pot of players to work with. Um, so totally different, but. Going back to your question, it's it's just it's never it's never easy to work out why the players work out in one, or never easy to say why the players work out well in some places and some don't. You know, there was a, when I was at P 
Peterborough, there was a few Irish lads there, um, Dan Connor, uh, Tony Shields, Killian Brennan. And Killian Brennan didn't get a game for Peterborough, couldn't get near the team and, and came back to Ireland and had a, had a fantastic career over here. So it's difficult. It's difficult to work out and you, can never, you can't put your finger on it. I remember Tony Shields, he was a proper tenacious midfielder. Yeah. Again, not the biggest, but he put himself about so much. Yeah, in yeah. little warrior in midfield, yeah. And, and Dan Connor, all I remember about Dan Connor was his rubbish haircut. <laughs> yeah, Dan Connor's, I mean, he's the one who, who, who got me first over to Ireland. When I'd left Peterborough, I was... I was kicking my heels a little bit, not knowing what to do. I had a couple of trials at, at Dagenham and, and Stevenage and didn't really work out. And Dan Connor was was now playing back in Ireland and, and phoned me and said, do you want to come over here, see how you get on? So I did and, and really enjoyed it. That was in 2003 and I've been here ever since. Yeah, and Dave Farrell, of course, is now doing coaching at Swindon and was part of the, obviously, academy coaching at the football club. He obviously a player that you played with for, for, for many a time. I think he was described as a librarian by Jimmy Bollard in that... <laughs> <laughs> thing we did. Um, he, he was. Uh, I, don't, I don't really. That's probably the best way of summing him up, isn't it? Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was a great lad, a brummy. So he was a little bit, you know, dour, shall we say? And he, not, 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 no fun at all. But he was, he was sort of very cutting and didn't need to say anything to put you down. You know, he only needed a few lines to put you down. And he, uh, yeah, I really liked him, and he was a great, a great player for us at the time. And good friends, of course, with Mark Tyler, who's, uh, who's on our coaching staff at the moment. Yeah, Tiles was a fantastic keeper, weren't he? You know, he was um, he was another quiet lad. Quite, you know, didn't really get involved in in any of the any of the shenanigans or anything else. But a really good a really good player. And a, you know, how many appearances he make in the end for Peter? It must be. He's second in the all time appearance record. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable, really. Did, um, did uh, I spoke to um, uh, Adam Newton about this and a few others? Did well, whether they ever went out on a night out with Jimmy Bollard to survive to, to survive the tale? I remember a number of stories around the time trying to keep them quiet and keep them out of the papers. But um, did, did you ever delve into a, delve into a night with Jimmy? Apparently, the rumor yeah. is he was actually a poor drinker. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he, he was only a he was only a little lad, only a skinny little lad, so he couldn't really handle it. Um, so he, <laughs> it wouldn't take him too many too many drinks to get him um, to get him going. But no, yeah, there was a few. We we used to go out quite. You know, I didn't live in Peterborough at the time, but we used to we used to go out and socialise a good bit. And um, yeah, you know, he had to he had to calm him down a little bit sometimes. But we managed to do that. You know, it was um, good. There was good times there. He came back to do some recording with Soccer AM last year and uh, wanted to know if all the all the same places were still there. <laughs> been a while since you were out in Peterborough, mate, but you can have a look if you want. Um, <laughs> he had three drinks and he was he was struggling. Yeah, yeah, he's not, um, like you say, he, was, he, he couldn't really hold it, couldn't really handle it. Um, just, just finally, obviously, um, you're managing the moment at Cook City, I think, aren't you? In, in yeah. Um, what, what's the dream in terms of your, well, uh, it's a cliche question of where you see yourself in 10 years' time, but do you want to have a crack in England or are you quite comfortable in Ireland doing, doing your stuff there? Um... You should. I mean, I've made the mistake before of, of saying something and doing the opposite. But I would. Um, I don't. My, the, my my dream is not to work back in England. No, I, I think that I would like to take Cork City now back to where. I mean, this club won the won the double in in twenty twenty seventeen or yeah twenty seventeen. So I want to try and bring this club back to. We've had a, a little bit of a lean year last year, so I want to try and take this club back up to where where we belong. But after that, no, I, I'm not. I'm not um, I'd like to to man, maybe manage abroad somewhere more than 
back in England I'd like to see where that would take me abroad. I always wanted to play abroad as a player. Um, can't really count Ireland as playing abroad, so uh, I won't. So I always wanted to play abroad as a player. It didn't work out for me, so I would like to to work um, to work abroad as a manager was, would be what I'd really like to do. MLS appeal? MLS would appeal a lot to me, yeah. MLS would be somewhere. I mean, the summer always makes me think that I'd like to live somewhere hot. So maybe somewhere in the sun, coaching in the sun one day would be would be a nice job. 